no, I'm a great storyteller. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and now you have proof. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, astrology. See, astrology solves all our problems. It does. And we all just want to feel, want to be real. Yeah, we Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The, the Vicious Virgos. In case you forgot, I'm Ilana. I'm Jacqueline. And today we're going to be talking about the astrological houses, which is so freaking cool and so important. And feels like we should have done it earlier on, but here we are. Well, I mean, to be fair, like, I'm sure a lot of people who are new to astrology don't even know what we're talking about right now by saying houses. So what we've done is we've gotten information from y'all and everyone's just like, hey, we really appreciate the fact that you've boiled this down for dummies. Yeah, totally. So with that, we decided to do like our sun, our moon, your Venus, your ascendant, blah, 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 blah. And now we're at houses. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to perform our ritual before we get started? I feel like I feel like this ritual involves like candles and maybe some like 90s R&B. You don't have any of that. Okay, yeah, that's, that's okay. true. Yeah. Well, anyway, so today, Jacqueline B, when you don't get your way, it becomes easier to question your own sanity. A lot of the Virgo, on the other hand, becomes derivative. They're having trouble making the distinction between a difference of opinion and an attack right now. Don't assume you know what other people think. Remember that you're not a mind reader. Wow. That's like eerily spot on. It is. Weird. It is. I don't know if it's necessarily spot on for you and I, Mm -mm. but I feel like it's definitely spot on for whatever energy is currently flowing through our universe right now. I completely agree. Yeah. It's been a weird week. Okay. Well, are we ready for houses? Do we want to do a date update? Go ahead. What did I do this week? I don't know. What did you do this week? <laughs> I went out with an Aquarius. Yes, you did. Oh my gosh, that's right. I had two dates with an Aquarius. And everybody knows I like Aquarius and Gemini. I always have a good time with them. But I would like everyone to know that it went well, even though I showed up on Saturday and met him down in Manhattan Beach and he was a little drunk where I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. And then... In typical Virgo fashion, decided to give him another shot. Mm -hmm. And we had another date on Monday. And we went to dinner. And then we went to this bar where I got in a fight with somebody who was drunk there. Not like a fist fight, but like, you know, a war of words. Yes. Because that man was so out of line and had no idea what he was talking about. But apparently I impressed my date with my, you know, education and wit. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I think I might see him again. I think you should. I think I should too. If you're thinking about it, then it's always nice to explore that third date. Because yeah. third dates, I feel like, tell you everything. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. He's been like sending me pictures today and whatnot. He's, he's cute. He's so sweet. Cool. All right. Let's get into the houses. So before we get started, if you're somebody that has your natal chart in front of you, it's that large circle weird thing. It's going to make this process easier to understand and make it a lot more relatable because it's in front of you. So you're going to really understand it better because it's a very visual subject. There are a lot of places you can grab your natal chart. Some of our favorite places are Astrolab, Cafe Astrology, there's astroapp.net, there's CoStar, of course. There's a lot of places. So CoStar is the easiest though. Yeah. So if you go and look that chart up, it's going to really help you. Like I said, it's that weird like circle looking thing. So look at that. Okay. Like a clock, the zodiac is divided into 12 segments, also known as houses. And each one is ruled by a different sign. And the zodiac sign begins with the first house and it goes 
counterclockwise around, which is really important to know. So it's not going to be Aries and then to the right. Taurus It's going to be the other way around because it goes counterclockwise. But it does follow those planets. Yes, it does. Yes. yes. So it's confusing, but it makes sense. Exactly. You'll, yeah. So whatever sign is in your first house, the house is in the nine o'clock position. That's like your rising sign, etc. Each house is associated with a set of traits beginning from the self and expanding outwards into society and beyond. At the moment you were born, the planets were all in specific signs and houses. When an astrologer interprets your chart, they're going to blend the meaning of each planet, the house it's in, and the sign it's in to map the obstacles or gifts you'll face in this lifetime. That's something that's very important to know because just because you're a Virgo with a rising sag doesn't tell an astrologer enough. They want to know what house it lies in. Okay. So like I said, 12 houses, each sign and planet has an associated meaning. Each house has a purpose too. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know me. I love this shit. <laughs> yeah. Here's where things get a little complicated. Okay. Houses are associated with ruling over different areas of our lives, but a planet also rules each house. You can tell which planet rules which house by looking at the outside of your natal chart for the astrological glyphs on the border of your wheel. These also follow the order of the Zodiac. For example, like if you're in Aries rising, Aries would be your first house ruler. Your second house ruler would be Taurus because Taurus comes after Aries in the Zodiac, etc. So a few other things to note before we head on, okay, is that the first six houses are known as the personal houses, and the last six houses are known as the interpersonal houses. So kind think of. like your career, yourself, mm -hmm. your money, your family versus other people. Yes. In relationships, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So like the difference between like family and then like a romantic spouse. Exactly. Yeah. When planets visit a house, they light up that part of your chart and energize that house's traits. So very important to know what houses that you have in your chart. You're not going to have all of them. And I think once you start to know what they mean, it's going to be very insightful for you. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go through each house and talk about what they stand for, so to speak, what they're about and have a discussion about them. Does that sound fun? Welcome to the party, everybody. Yes. Okay. Here we go. So first house. Aries. Yes. The first house begins the Zodiac and covers... The all first, first impressions, the self and appearance, leadership, new initiatives, fresh starts and beginnings. The sign on the cusp or starting edge of this house is referred to as your rising sign or ascendant. This is ruled by Aries. It is a very, 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 very important house. Is your ascendant always in the first house? Um, no. I didn't think so. I don't but think it's yours so weird is. because it's like the first house is always defined by that. Yeah. So it's fascinating. Yeah. And so... It's That's fascinating. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. So it's I am, which is appearance, outward, personality. That's I am. Got it? Got it. Okay. Remember, that's the nine o'clock. Is that what we said? Nine o'clock? Nine o'clock uh -huh. is yeah. the first house. Got yeah. It. One, two, three, yeah. four. For those of you that can't visualize this, I am <laughs> twisting my arm down and around. and it, I can't go much further past the six o'clock. Yes. So yeah, what do we, how do we feel about the first house? Like, let's really get into the first house. Cause I think the first house to me is the most important house personally. Well, of course you would say that you're rising sag. Well, it's the ascendant mask. <laughs> so the, the thing that's really funny is that the first house corresponds with Aries energy. Mm -hmm. So I've, I find that no matter what your, you know, what element you have, 
or what sign you have in your first house or what planet or whatever, it's going to correspond with something a little fiery. So even if you're Pisces or your Scorpio or your Cancers or in your first house, I can see that Aries kind of like sneaking through and turning that like feeling person into someone who has like even bolder feelings. And I messed sense. up about something. I made a boo-boo. Uh-oh. What did you, you do? <laughs> so the rising sign is the sign on the cusp of the first house in your birth chart. That's why it's called the rising sign. So I was incorrect. It's on the cusp of the first house. Always. So you were you were correct. And, oh, I, was and right. I was correct. We were both correct. Oh, I like being right. <laughs> I like when you're right too. <laughs> but I mean, that's why it's called the rising sign. Because it's a, the sign rising on the eastern horizon on yeah, your exact time of birth. Yeah, it's where the sun yeah. meets the horizon, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. So that, that made me look kind of silly. But anyway, continue. Anyway, so I, I just... I find it I find it very interesting how the Aries energy of the first house kind of manipulates where your zodiac lies in there, right? Yeah, it guides it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Alana, what do you have in your first house? Oh god, I have to pull up my co-star while I'm pulling it up. So, the first house is sort of like your first cosmic impression. So, whatever lives in this house is going to help you understand how the people around you are going to perceive you. And it's also going to help explain your, like we talked about before, your physical appearance, your body and your temperament and how you approach life. So this is, this is what's most important. I know I have a lot of first house, like I have a lot in my chart, which means that I probably really care about what other people think and how I present myself. I do too. My, so, my, I have three, I have my ascendant Mars and sun. I have ascendant moon, Saturn, Uranus and Neptune. <laughs> I have a lot. I have five. Oh my goodness. And, and guess what? all about you. And guess what? It's all sag and cap is the last one, but it's mostly Sagittarius. So I'm very self-involved clearly. I mean, you know, that's okay. You just really like to take a lot of trips and then you don't get to because you work too much because that Capricorn really wants to drive that one home so bad. So because like I have all this sag in my first house, right? It means that that Sagittarius is very dominant in my chart and it guides me and it leads me. And it leads me in the aspects that it's in the first house. So like my moon and my ascendant, those are very powerful parts of my personality. Because once again, that first house, it guides I am. And yeah. that is the way that people see you and how you feel about yourself. So that's, I mean, extremely powerful. We were listening to a, a podcast the other day and they talked about all the houses in the first house. I think they spent like 25 minutes on. They because, spent a long time. Well, because yeah. it's, there's, there's something about it that's so, I mean think about it. That's how our goals are manifested. New projects, ideas, perspectives, like it's just, it's so powerful. Right. So, I mean, like even just like me fiddling around and looking at my chart, because of course, you know me, I'm very self-involved too. <laughs> um, every single time I look at it, it's going to tell me that, you know, it's like, because it's in your first house, Mars and Virgo is hyper present in your personality. Yeah. Right. So the way that I fight is like super Virgo because it's in my first house. Yeah. And it says the coolest thing it says is it begins our ride through the astrological houses. So like, it's literally like hop on and it kind of is like driving you through. It's like the car that kind of drives you through. And I love the fact that it rolls over our physical appearance because when I think about the fact that I'm a sag rising, that I'm a Virgo, my sag rising totally dominates the way that I dress and the way that I look. And I like that a lot. Like I like that that I get it now more because I feel like my friends with their Virgo in the first house, we dress so differently. And it always like, kind of weirds me out when people tell me how Virgos are and I'm not like that. So I like that I can kind of point to that and go, oh, that makes sense. Your uh, son's not in your first house, is it? Uh, no, it is not. Yeah. Well, see, no. that makes sense. So even though you have Virgo in your chart and you, you do have characteristics similar to that, they come second 
Yeah, absolutely. So like, for example, if your moon is in your first house, this means that you like find security and safety through yourself and self-image. And if you, if it's in your first house, once again, then that sign is going to be hyper present in your personality and your moon is going to be very hyper present in your personality as is with any of your different things. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's definitely a lot. Yeah. I think the first house is the one that people talk most about. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. So while, while you were talking about this, I was kind of like doing a little Google magic, um, and came across like what it, what the role the first house plays in your life. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it, it's funny cause it breaks it down by perceived positively and then negatively versus present positively and mm. negatively. Mm. So it talks about like Aries, if that's ruling your first house, people who are born with like Aries want to come first. Right. So they are present received or whatever is as independent, but people can see them as being selfish yet they are perceived. So externally people think they're fearless. And then we also see them as being impatient and reckless. I 100% so I, I can see this so much in so many different people like Taurus. It's um, they're either steadfast and reliable or they're both of them say stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's so incredibly interesting to see like how they see themselves. Like a Gemini sees themselves as being highly intelligent, but scatterbrained and others see them as being knowledgeable, but erratic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want me to keep going with this? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay, great. Um, so a cancer, if your cancer is ruling the first house, you'll find your identity through like emotions and the emotions of people around you. So you'll see yourself as being very caring, but you can also see yourself as being a little smothering. Whereas other people see you as also being caring, but also extremely passive aggressive. Hmm, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then with Leo, um, you've got fun loving and generous, whereas uh, it could be arrogant and narcissistic. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. This is, this is funny. <laughs> this is Virgo, of course. So you don't have Virgo in your first house. No, you don't have I'm anything to worry about. <laughs> like seriously. So, but it's funny cause you know, Virgo rising your identity or you learn about your identity through service and care of their health and problem solving. We talked about this in one of our first episodes, right? So I apparently see myself as being helpful and a perfectionist, whereas other people might see me as being supportive, but critical, mm. which is funny because we read somewhere the other day that there was like a, a job advertisement that specifically said no Virgos allowed because they thought that they were super critical, <laughs> which, um, is so, which is obviously the case. But I, I feel know. the opposite when I hire people. I'm like, you're a Virgo. Let's do this. I know. But it's also still a little scary to work with a bunch yeah, of Virgos. It, it is. really is. It is. Um, Libra, they see themselves as being decisive and indecisive where others see them as being fair and judgmental. Okay. Yeah. I see that. that I see that out. too. Yep. Yeah. Scorpio is intense and powerful or dramatic and threatening. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sagittarius, you ready for this? Yep. All right. So Sagittarius ascendant. So you, you learn about your identity through travel, adventure and exploration. Yeah. So apparently like people perceive you as being like wise to the ways of the world. Mm-hmm. So you believe yourself to be adventurous on the positive thi- side versus, and then on the negative it's interfering. Whereas you're perceived as being wise and negatively as authoritarian. I 100% yep. could not agree more 100%. with that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for those of our, uh, Capricorn, right. We've got, they learn about themselves through achievement, goal setting, responsibility, positively. You seem, uh, you feel inspiring. Others see you as successful. Negatively. You view yourself as being ruthless while others see you as being greedy. Hmm. 
I like this one. I like this one yeah, a lot. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Aquarians, right? They learn about themselves through community, friendships, and culture. Positives is friendly and idealistic. Negative is detached and fanatical. Mm, right? Okay. Um, but Pisces learned about their identities through dreams, imagination, and spirituality. So the, they present positively imaginative and negatively as delusional. Mm-hmm. And then they're perceived as compassionate, but also hypocritical. <laughs> so, yeah, awesome. I just I just thought I'd share that a little bit. No, I, I love it. it. And I was like, oh, my God, we have to share. OK, on to the second house. The second house covers all matters related to your immediate material and physical environment. So that's like taste, smell, touch, sights, which makes sense because it's Taurus. The second house also rules income, money and self-esteem. Once again, Taurus. <laughs> Make it rain, basically. It's all about material goods, money, personal resources. And personal resources, just once again, it's just not about wads of cash and like a safety deposit box. It's the aspects of your life that help you feel secure and supported. So, you know, like life skills, self-esteem, confidence, and all that stuff. When planets transit through this house, it can mean that there is a change in our self-esteem or our resources. And so it's also a very important house. It is, yeah. And not this, that any of them are not important. No, but well, I mean, there's some that are a little more interesting to it, me. Exactly. This like is I, an interesting one. I mean, I always viewed like the southern hemisphere of the houses as being way more interesting than yeah. the upper. But yeah, that's just do that's you, my two cents. Do you have any second houses? Um, that's a great question. You know what? I think we went through this. Not I don't too have long any. Ago. I don't have any. And I have. Yeah, actually, my Venus and Mercury, which is ruled by Virgo, is in my second house. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you remember Venus. Wow. Yeah. So, well, uh, yeah, because this basically just means I prefer to manage the details of life and serve others and help them get their needs Mm. met. So my resources are carefully gathered, managed, utilized. Um, Apparently, I'm very good at problem solving. Yeah. Uh, But it was funny because when he was talking to me this astrologer that Alana got for me when I first got here, he asked me if there were any problems at home Mm. because there was like, he's like the two planets that you have in your second house are so important. It's Venus and Mercury. So your communication and then your relationships, he's like, what happened at home? And I was like, and then, you know, I cried later. So (laughs) I just realized that like, I don't know where my Chiron and my Lilith are and some of the other things because it's not in co-star. So I guess it's possible that some of that stuff could be in my second house. Yeah. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. So some other facts about the second house. Do you want to share those with us? Yeah. So um, instead of taking up all the time I did on the first house, I'm going to break it down by your element. Cool. Right. So like air signs who have, um, so you're, you're looking at Aquarius, Gemini, and Sagittarius. No. No. <laughs> Sorry, Libra. Oh, gosh. It's okay. It's late. Forgive me. It's not late. I'm just not with it. Um, so those are the air signs, right? So if you have any of those planets or any of those signs in your second house, you're going to use it more for intellect and communication to get your needs met. Mm. So I could see you as kind of being a little um, instead of saying manipulative and making it negative, I could see you being very persuasive. Mm hmm. Right. Um, so fire signs. So that's going to be Aries. Aries yeah. Sag, Leo. Aries and Leo. So apparently they're going to use it as like creativity and action oriented. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Earth signs, Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're, I can't forget those ones. Cause, <laughs> you know, um, you're going to be super practical and conservative. Yeah. Big surprise. Surprise. Nobody there. No. And then your water signs. 
So you've got Pisces, Cancer, and Scorpio. Apparently, the way that you, this is so funny, the way that you deal with your security, safety, and your home, you invest that emotional energy and use it on close connections to feel safe. So there's no... So whereas like a Virgo or a Taurus or a Capricorn would probably stockpile like food or money or like rainy day funds, like things like that, a Pisces will stock emotional security in people for when they go through something traumatic. So that that way they have someone to lean on. Yeah. This house is all about I have. So remember, number one is I am. Number two is I have because it's personal resources. So money, possessions, values, and skills and each element inside kind of leans towards different things within that. So a very important house, house, (laughs) house, House? a very important house because it's past your identity. It's like what you have, what you hold dear. And that is really important when you look at where your planets and your signs lie in that house. Or if you have that house, if you don't have that house then that's something to look at as well. Maybe that's something that you don't like think about as much. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which totally makes sense for me, except I'm pretty sure I have my Kyra on there, but that's here nor there. Woo! Wooka, okay. Wooka, wooka. Whoa, okay. Okay, make fun of me. I don't care. Third house. The third house rules all forms of communication. Talking, thinking, gadgets and devices. So like cell phones, pagers, <laughs> instant messenger, all that stuff. Because super like 90s there. The third I house. I know. The third house also covers siblings, neighborhoods, local travel, libraries, schools, teachers, and community affairs. The third house is all about how we communicate with the world. So even in the subtle ways we don't realize. Communication can be transmuted to our immediate community of people who surround us and how we interact and communicate together. When when planets transit through the third house, we might learn valuable information about the people around us. Remember, this is ruled by Gemini. So obviously it's ruled by communication because this is like the the sign of communication. And Mercury rules Gemini. Yeah. So this is, I think, immediate environment. I think. So remember, I am, I have, I think. Mental activity, learning, siblings, and communication. This is a, also an extremely important house because like, okay, this is who I am. This is how, what I have. And this is how I like think, you know, and this is like, to me, like a backbone one, which you know is funny because it's Gemini, but I'm going to say it's important. So, you know, it's funny. So while we're talking about this, I looked at mine because, you know, we've been sharing whether or not I have nothing I, I, in my third. I don't either. But once again, we could have planets wait, that we can't see immediately. Wait, wait. So it says if you have no points in this house or sign, then the energy is waiting to respond. Oh. Therefore, points that progress or transit into this house will activate that energy at specific times of your life. Huh. Right. Okay. So, you know how like we were we were finding out that we're turning into Libras. So anyway, I'm, I'm curious to know if there's going to be any change in the placement of our houses moving forward. Like, you know, like when we go through Saturn return or, you know, things like that. It's just, it, I don't know. I re- Oh gosh. You know, I just want to like, I want to use that software and type in things and then just see, go forward and spin around and, you know, figure out how oh, my life's yeah, going to change. Yeah. The astrologer. That was so cool. And he was looking yeah. at the solar chart. That yeah. was super interesting. So, but it's, I don't know. I found that really cool. Cause it's like thinking about the fact that like, if we don't have it, that doesn't mean that we're never going to have it. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I mean, I think this house, that's funny. I think. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Feels really important to have. And like, if you don't have it, I mean, so explain to me. So if you don't have it at all, it means that you are a bad communicator. No, 
No, it just says the energy is waiting to respond, right? So I don't necessarily think that you're a bad communicator because there's other ways that you can communicate. Um, let's say you have, everybody's got mercury in their chart. Mm-hmm. Mercury is a planet that rules communication. So I think it just depends on what placement Mercury is in, how you will communicate. Mm, okay. If that makes sense. No, it makes sense. So that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's been interesting, that's for damn sure. Well, I also looked at my um Lilith and my Chiron to see what <laughs> what houses what? they were in. You that was sneaky kinda, bitch. It's fun. Do it. Okay. Those are like two of our favorite ones. It's ever. fun. Do it. <laughs> Speaking of fourth house, <laughs> which is the nurture house, the fourth house, which is ruled by cancer, obviously, it sits at the very bottom of the zodiac wheel and thus rules the foundation of all things. It includes your home, privacy, your basic security, your parents, particularly your mother, Children, your own mothering abilities, nurturing, and TLC. It's ruled by cancer, so it makes complete sense there. All the feelings. All the feelings. So when you're looking at the natal chart, and you're looking at the very bottom, and you try to look for it, okay, it makes sense. Like, it really does make sense that it'd be, like, a home in your roots. And when you talk about, like, for example, when they talk about, like, Chiron and cancer, it means that, like, there's problems, your scars, like, your home And so whenever you see things in a house, it's very important because you're going to learn more about what makes you comfortable, safe, and cozy. You also are going to learn about the literal literal home environment that you're going to create for yourself. I know that you... It's also where your scars will show up. Yeah. And I know you had a lot with this one. So this is I nurture. It's your inner world, home, parents, roots, inner security. So fourth house, I, I have my Aries. I have my Mars. Well, I mean, so that, that is interesting. Yeah, that checks out. That's that just, makes sense. So what does that mean to you? That you have Mars in your fourth house? Yeah. It means that there's some type of extreme passion, whether positive or negative, within your household. And knowing you and what I know about you and how you grew up, it wasn't exactly like I don't I don't want to say it wasn't a stable environment, but I know that your family went through some really traumatic things together. And I think that those external things that affected your home. Yeah. can create some type of like disjointment, which, you know, Mars is trying to put together, but also wants to go to war. Like think about how often you've had to like stand up and fight for your family. Yeah. But I'm also curious too, if this could also relate to the fact that you're Jewish. What? Yeah. Why? So like, I think about it, right? So like your home, your stability, your tribe, like whatever, like, I'm just curious if we go back far enough with, you know, your whatever, um, like with your chart, even like, let's say we go back to like your gestation. I don't know, but I can see your home, right? So like your home is your temple. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it says since Mars can inadvertently weaken in the fourth house, this aspect is considered unfavorable for marital relationships. Oops. Because the personality of the fourth house feels depressed due to the emotional insensitivity, aggressiveness, and inattention of the Martian personality especially when it comes to problems of house building. So it means that the person of the forest south feels a certain threat to inner harmony and peace of mind. But it does say that I, this means that rotate, my life rotates around home and family. So if Mars is positive, the relationship in these areas is excellent. And I engage in home building and great desire and love. If Mars is afflicted, such wonderful relationships collapse before my eyes, giving way to disputes, disagreements, and contention. So like in astrology, they'll talk a lot about like, the positives and negatives of like, we talked about this a lot with rising signs Mm -hmm. and with Venus 
like the positives and negatives of each of the planets. So I think that Mars can be highly important in the sense that you can really lean into it and be passionate or it can be highly negative where there's a lot of conflict, which completely makes sense. But sad that I don't, looks like marital stuff's hard for me. Well, <laughs> what about your, what about you? Like, where does your fourth house lie? My fourth house actually. Because I know you had a lot of it, right? It, it looked like it. Oh. It looked like it in that freaking uh, chart that he put together. But I think that was just more or less like where things are moving to, right? Because he saw like how, how we're turning into Libra. Anyway, <laughs> no, my fourth house is actually in Pluto, huh. which I was kind of looking up and it looked like that's actually a really good placement for it. Tell me why. Um, so, okay. So <laughs> apparently this is not the website that I originally looked <laughs> up because this is pretty bad. Um, Pluto and fourth house people often come from troubled family. Oh, she did say that. The astrologer said that. This placement can suggest even abuse or violence at home. Pluto is rarely an easy planet in the natal chart and your childhood circumstances weren't the best with this placement. Often this pattern repeats itself in the home and family you create as an adult. Power struggles are frequent with this placement, especially with one of your parents. These fights leave deep wounds to your soul and the range often gets buried into your subconscious. However, it does not disappear. It sees that it stays there subtly controlling your life from the background i am scared oh i'm scared but then it also says many pluto in fourth houses have some type of karmic heritage to work through with this uh. placement in the natal chart deep transformation is needed before you can create a loving and supportive atmosphere he talked about this he did he said that if you can really nurture that it'll be you can get like almost past it but if you're unable to it's gonna be hold you back yeah that's well, kind of how had, it is always it has something to do with where my jupiter was moving with my karma yeah and how that would be healing well apparently the guy that I was I went out with the first time I was here was supposed to help me heal this <laughs> wound but we know how that happened don't we folks <laughs> uh fourth house so remember I am I have I think I nurture I feel like Oof. a song Oof. okay moving on to the fifth house this one is interessante so the fifth fifth house is ruled by dramatic lovable Leo and it governs self-expression drama creativity color, attention, romance, fun, and play. So this is a really fun house because it's all about creativity, joy, pleasure, and children because Leo is all about children. You know that. It's like the child of the Zodiac. But really, this house is all about having the joy and enthusiasm of being a kid. They're also into casual sex too, though. So random and so interesting that you put that next to that statement, but sure. Okay, that came out <laughs> weird. I was just reading it, and that's the one that I related to, okay? So think about your natural creativity and your sense of freedom, the kind you had as a child. That is going to manifest in the area of this chart. I have I, a lot in my fifth house. I don't see any in like my media planets although i don't know like where my little thing chiron is but i actually don't have that but that makes sense i have it in my saturn uranus and neptune so with my sagittarius and my capricorn so a lot of generational stuff so i'm opposite of you whereas your sagittarius and capricorn was in your first house Mm -hmm. mine's in my fifth okay so let's really try to look at that so okay so the fifth house we said remember i am i nurture all this stuff it's i serve it's your personal creativity your romance your children, your fun, and your creativity. I serve. So that means so, that makes so much sense to me when I look at who, what are the, what are the uh, signs that you have in that house? I have, yeah. So it's Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. No, the signs, not the planets. Oh, uh, Sagittarius and Capricorn. Wow. Could not be more different there. No, no, but it's funny because, you know, it's like, 
you look up so Saturn in my fifth house it's like it says that I'm difficult to play with <laughs> okay right so apparently I have guilt and responsibility um kind of ruin my fun time yeah that makes sense yeah so whereas like gosh this is like the, the more we the more we do this podcast like the more we learn like I hope all of our listeners know that we're listening or we're learning with you houses are something that I'm just not as familiar with and I'm learning about them a lot and I'm finding that most really strong astrologers will not analyze you unless they know your houses because they find that the houses are the most important thing okay so, it's interesting so Uranus is in my fifth house suggesting a creative and original person apparently I have great ideas some might consider them strange or shocking but it's um, Uranus out. is the planet of innovation and divine spark so apparently like since the fifth house governs like areas of life and creative self-expression hobbies fun apparently this makes me super creative and that makes sense I mean Uranus is another one that our astrologer keeps bringing up whenever we see him that and Jupiter which is fascinating yeah. I don't think those get enough attention no Jupiter I, I totally get I never knew much about Uranus but yeah this house is definitely I think more one of the more overlooked ones but eerily important especially as you grow into your adulthood why are you so she's like literally turning into a strawberry. Oh my She's God. so red. What's going on? Oh my God. So I'm still looking these up, right? So did you know that Neptune in my fifth house means that I am a brilliant storyteller? You are a really good storyteller. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was, see, I tell my parents that all the time. They always said I was a liar. I said, no, I'm a great storyteller. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and now you have proof. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, astrology. See, astrology solves all our problems. It does. Okay. Moving on to the sixth house. Okay. Ready? I'm done talking about myself. <laughs> this is the house of legacy, health, lineage, and service because it's Virgo. So sixth house is in the domain of health and service. It rules schedules, organization, routines, fitness, diet, and exercise, natural and healthy living, helpfulness, and being of service to others. It's So it's all about serving the world around us using like our unique gifts as a person, being helpful in the most you way possible. This house also rules health and exercise like I talked about. So if that's something that's in your chart, it's very important to you. Although you might not feel like they make sense together. This house is kind of focused on how you show up physically in the world. If you're a wellness freak, you might have many planets in this transit in this house. That's something to look at. Now, I didn't I look. I none. I didn't look at my other planets, but the main ones, I don't have any, which makes me really sad because I'm like, that's super important to me. So I don't know what's going on there. Maybe it's because I'm where I am and I am, I guess. I feel like, so this one, so... This one is not I am, obviously. This one is I serve again. They're both I serve. Daily life. Well, it's so, like house of health. Yeah, Leo's right? like personal creativity. This one's daily life. So work, health, service, self-improvement. <laughs> so I think that the I am and the I serve daily, like Aries and the Virgo, to me, almost like feel similar in a way. Like this house almost like feels a little similar to me. And it does feel like the tipping off point for the next six, which are more about others interpersonal uh, not interpersonal or interpersonal yes yeah no I think I think that's actually very interesting and it makes sense too that this one's also ruled by Mercury right with Virgo because Mercury rules Virgo and Gemini um so but it's you know as, as we go through it and the more we learn it's the sixth house rules like work versus your career service health and vitality healing pets daily routines hygiene and duty I've I'm going to say that the reason this shows up in our chart, even though we may not have anything in the sixth house, is specifically because we're so Virgo heavy. Yeah. I mean, okay. So what I found interesting was 
the sixth house, it, since it follows the fifth, because that's such a like heavy house, it helps us to establish our natural boundaries, which is like a need for our clear definition of who we are personally. So like mm. our true vocation to be ourselves. So the sixth house sternly like in the fifth, it's okay to be self-absorbed, even though you didn't give anyone else a chance to speak. That's kind of more the fifth or it's wonderful to give expression to your creative flair, but it's not quite the right one. I think with the sixth house, it's almost like you're moving past that. Does that kind of make sense? So yeah, like the sixth house is going to teach us to recognize the limits of our own nature and humanity. I feel like it's about sticking to our plan and blossoming into who we want to be. And I think that it really grounds us. And if you even think about like when it changes from Leo to Virgo, they talk about how we're starting to put our like dreams into action. So I feel like it's, it's a really important house if you're trying to feel like a grounded person. And I think if you have planets in that house, that's something to really look at in terms of like what's going to ground you and what's going to make you take action and take care of yourself. So I, I don't know. I wish I had, I feel like I wish I had some stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, Cause it's, like, like I like the idea of being able to like set boundaries. Cause you and I are terrible at that. Yeah. I mean like, okay. So like reality has both a within and a without the sixth house explores the relationships between what we're inside and what's around us and the outside. So it's like the correlation of inner world of mind and the feelings in the outer world kind of. So I just feel like if you're lacking that, that would be something to look into. I mean, what do we feel like it means if you don't have anything in your sixth house? I think I'm going to go with the same thing that I said about the second house. Okay. Right. Which is it doesn't necessarily matter if you don't have it now. It just means that it's waiting for you and it will come to you. It's just going to take time. So similar in the way that for those of us who choose to have a partner or desire a partner, right? You don't get it just because you want it. You kind of have to wait. Right. So I feel like it's similar in that. But uh, honestly, I'm sure that if you don't have it, you probably don't even know you don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. It's kind of one of those things where it's like ignorance is bliss. Totally. Okay. Well, those are all the personal houses. Shall we venture into the interpersonal? Yeah. No, I'm super excited. Do we want to give like a quick overview of like... Yes. Okay. So the first six houses. You have Aries. I am. You have Taurus. I have. You have Gemini. I think. Then you have Cancer. I nurture. Leo is I serve personal creativity and Virgo is I serve daily life. We've decided what is your favorite house out of those six? One. One? Me too. Yeah, because it's all about me. <laughs> I like one too. I also have a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, well, and apparently uh, four because it's in Scorpio and Pluto. <laughs> I am just a hot mess. So checks out. Makes sense. Awesome. Okay. Seventh house. The seventh house is the sector of relationships and other people. So this is where we get into others, not just yourself. It governs all partnerships, both business and personal and relationship associated matters like contracts, marriage and business dealings. This house is the house of the descendant relationships and other people overall. So you're going to look to this house to understand the nuances of your intimate relationships. This information is going to help you understand more of where your dependencies lie or habits and close relationships might kick in. When there are transits through this house, the way you interact with your loved ones might be affected. This is Libra. So it's I partner, awareness of others, marriage and other partnerships. 
And that makes a lot of sense that it's Libra. Because when I think of Libra, I think of partnerships. And what's funny is that I do have something in my seventh house. It is my Jupiter, which is Gemini. Okay, I have to look that up while you keep talking. Do you have anything you in your seventh house? Because uh, having do, Jupiter do, do, do. in your seventh house sounds very My moon is in my seventh house. Oh, I'm going to look that up while you look at me. Okay, <laughs> let's do this. Okay, Jupiter, seventh house. And moon, seventh house. Okay, so... Jupiter is the planet of like prosperity and good luck, right? And the seventh house rules over marriage and any other type of relationship like meat, you, you know, whatever. So they're usually lucky with legal issues. Okay. And capable to mitigate any conflict. Their relationships will most of the time be successful because you're, they're charming enough to convince others that they're always right. <laughs> There's the danger that they get too comfortable with being lucky all the time. So being overconfident is not a good idea for them. Okay. That feels a little too real. It's a little too personal. <laughs> the advice given says they need to learn how to rely only on themselves. Uh, what i don't like that well that makes sense for me but it says that uh individuals with jupiter in their seventh house will marry beautiful people oh cool Mm -hmm. i'm into it yeah you hear that colin so the moon in the seventh house is a placement that manifests an emotional emphasis on building and maintaining relationships so people with this lunar position you're going to crave companionship and you're going to really value comfort and support that you receive from your partners and your close loved ones like your friends in astrology, the moon symbolizes obviously the emotional self and what you find emotionally fulfilling, but it also represents your past. We talk about karma, childhood instincts, all that different stuff. So those who have their moon in the seventh house, either in their like your natal chart or transit or whatever, you're going to experience a stronger emotional need to connect with others and engage in some form of collaboration. So it's going to like really highlight the emotional significance of your affairs and and uh, functions of your seventh house. So whichever zodiac sign, what's your zodiac sign, your seventh? Uh, my, it's, it's Aquarius. Okay, so it hap- that's going to happen to occupy this house, obviously. It's going to modify the way in which the moon is expressed. So it's a, br- like, does that kind of make sense? So it's like your Aquarian moon, but that's going to be very heavily important in retaining your relationships. Yeah. So how you communicate in relationships. So. Oof. That's a hard one. Like, it's funny because we both have air signs in that house. And I think that that's kind of great and also really detrimental because it's like a social, it's a social sign, but it's also a sign I think that has a hard time. It's like, we like to communicate, but we have a hard time really getting to the meat of what we're trying to say and making decisions. So I think that that's difficult. That could really, that could be difficult with relationships. Yeah. Because they're both not very committal, committal signs. No, no. Which it's like, that's so frustrating. (laughs) I hate having an Aquarian moon. And I hate having a (sighs) freaking Jupiter and Gemini. Jeez. But it's funny because I feel like the moon connects so well with the seventh house. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's a great planet to have in there, but I just don't appreciate my... (laughs) you know, the Zodiac goats in charge. (laughs) So seventh house, I partner awareness of others. Okay. Moving on to the eighth house. The eighth house is a mysterious sector that rules birth, that, that sex transformation, mysteries, merged energies and bonding at the deepest level. Sounds like Scorpio. Something just happened to my mic that sounded like otherworldly. That was so weird. Did you hear the feedback? Yeah. So weird. Scorpio. Scorpio. Oh, it's the house of sexy time. <laughs> this house is rules other people's property and money too. So like real estate, inheritances, investments, because it's all Scorpio. It's the house of transformation and death overall. So I've got to be honest, this is like one of my favorite houses. I think it's because like, it's obviously like Scorpio is just a really interesting sign. And it's got like, 
like a lot of people have like a lot of planets here to be honest with you. And if they do, it's interesting, but this house feels really magical and very celestial to me. I think that because have I have to look, I think I do. I, don't. I think I do. So this is a house where you have to like go deep. So if your planets in this house, it can mean that you're like really interested in magic and mysticism and unconscious stuff. Like I'm pretty sure I have something in my eighth house and I'll look in a second. That wouldn't surprise me, especially with like all the Scorpio energy yeah. and it's, Oh gosh. So I, so two things I was going to tell you, you're going to love when I tell you where my house is, but oh, I can't wait, but this means I circulate shared resources. I circulate sex, death, letting go, regeneration, other people's money, et cetera. Guess, guess, just guess. If you had to guess what is in this eighth house for me, you have to guess. I have to guess. Uh, just guess. Sagittarius? Venus. Oh. It's my Leo. Wait, my wait, Venus. Wait, 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 wait. What? Okay, I'm looking I... this up right now. Like, what so even? this means I'm cautious in love, but beneath my shyness is a desire that I to share myself fully and passionately. Like, I feel like that makes me a really intense lover. It's like forbidden love and hidden feelings. Like, that's what it said. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is so... Uh, that's so uh, creepy. So, apparently, like, you know, having Venus in your eighth house, you're most likely to express your sociability and romanticism through the way that you make love, establish friendships yeah. or business relationships. Very attractive to the opposite sex. They want someone who is smart and somehow mysterious to be Correct. in the next life for them. Yeah. It also says that I have a desire to connect with people, but I'm afraid of being hurt and taken advantage of. You also hate vulgarity. So I don't know why you're friends with me and poverty. <laughs> oh <my laughs> so, God. so you'll do your best to have lots of money and succeed. And it's normal for you to surround yourself with high quality things. So be ready to witness them spend everything they have in one shopping spree. <laughs> <laughs> they get bored easily with everyday issues and need a little bit of drama in order to feel happy. It says I'm associated with power, secrets, sexuality, taboos, and other people's money as opposed to the second house. So like, I'm really into that kind of stuff. It's not like the best. <laughs> like, I can have a lot of feelings of resentment towards love. And I can be really afraid of someone hurting me. So... I'll kind of like try to hurt them before they hurt me, which totally checks out. I am Shout so out to people that have Venus in this house. I'm, I'm sorry. so obsessed with all of this that I'm learning right now. It's I mean, so weird. It is. It's super weird. It deep. says that you're very curious about secrets yeah, and that you avoid sharing your own and stick your noses where you should. <laughs> it's so true. It is so true. Oh my God. I love it so much. It's so cute. Oh okay. my gosh. Should we, should we give them any more information on the, the eighth house eighth basically house? is just like a creepy house. Like if you've got stuff in your eighth house, like you got to do some deep digging inside your soul. Like, I don't know, like you got some scars there you got to get through, but like what an interesting house that I feel like we overlook. Cause it's, it's like the Halloween house. Well, I look at it as just like an exchange of energy. Yeah. Right. So like you're talking about like life, death, you know, um, sex, occult energy whatever Cult i don't know energy I, you know the occult like you know dark magic that kind of shit got it um but i don't know it's it's oh it's just fascinating to me because it's all about like personal growth and boundaries and then sacrifices that are made to facilitate those specific things yeah for that transformation like it said that because venus is in my eighth house it means that love is my love is often expressed in darkness taboos rebirth sex and transformation and i'm like yeah like that totally are you like sense. yeah Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on to the ninth house. This house covers the higher mind, expansion, international, and long distance travel. 
foreign languages, inspiration, optimism, publishing, broadcasting, universities and higher education, luck, risk, adventure, gambling, religion, philosophy, morals, and ethics. Jeez Louise. This house is a house of paradigms. So it's all about like journey, expansion, inspiration, philosophy. It's doing a lot. So this pertains to all things in personal evolution. It represents the journey, both literally and metaphorically. Transits in this house could bring a big trip or describe a considerable departure from ordinary life. Look to this house to understand what might surprise, light, and inspire you. Obviously, we all know this is Sagittarius. This is like, this is a house where if this you've is, got stuff here, you've got a lot going on. Like, oh. think about it. There's so much listed there, and it's all over the place. <laughs> Gambling, religion, and philosophy. I mean, okay, this one's interesting. I explore, which is like a really cool one. I like that. Like an expressive person who explores. I like that a lot. I think it's really nice, neat. I don't have anything in my immediate chart that's in the ninth house what about you really which one my jupiter is in my ninth house oh wow what is that what does that mean well this is kind of a big deal what is it so because jupiter controls everything about luck abundance and expansion in the ninth house this planet is at home and rules over the sign of sagittarius so freedom is important to these people and they want to express themselves and always be honest. Many will be inspired by them to learn, be more adventurous, and even travel long distances. A lot of the travels in individuals with Jupiter Ninth House are making usually bring them money and a need for a more comfortable life. Which is interesting because the astrologer was telling you that you like your sense of home and family is almost something you're going to need to find. Their success is usually obtained with the help of people. <laughs> It says from other countries, though. So, like, they see them as being journalists, publishers, sometimes athletes. I, I think that doesn't have to be so literal, though. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, oh, gosh, this is so, oh, I love, I love learning about this stuff. Right. <laughs> it's so much fun. Right. So, it's like, oh, my goodness. Uh, like, Jupiter is both, <laughs> Jupiter gives them both wealth and a lot of respect because they have intellectual interests. Mm. They're always positive and looking to learn more. So don't expect them to worry about trivial things or be inconvenienced what, by what can't be called a serious matter. Interesting. Apparently, I'll have many chances to travel and get educated in order to expand my horizons. Love that. And it's very, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cool. It's normal for them to want to get educated no matter what their age. Yep. Hmm. Which is so, so really early. Spot. It is. Yeah. It's all about so, Jupiter. Well, and for, for Jupiter's all about education. Those of our listeners that don't know, like I, I didn't graduate college right away. Like I dropped out my freshman year um, and then slowly like trickled in courses here and there. But it was always it always weighed really, really heavily on me. It was, yeah. um, a, it was a very, very self-conscious about it. And uh, now I'm back in school, which is awesome because yeah. Jupiter's all about higher education. Yeah. So. so I'm feeling pretty good about that. So let's hope that Jupiter's going to bring me some good luck in that ninth <laughs> house, baby. Moving on to the 10th house. This is the house of mid heaven. The 10th ten- the house is at the very top and most public part of the chart. The 10th house governs strug- structures, corporations, tradition, public image, fame, Honors, achievements, awards, boundaries, rules, discipline, authority, fathers, and fatherhood. So it's a more masculine house. The cusp or border of the 10th house is also called the midheaven. That's what they call it that. And it clues astrologers into your career path. This house is really interesting because it tells you your ideal purpose, career, path, and destiny. No big deal. Just whatever. And it sits at the very top of the chart, meaning it's the most obvious and apparent to everybody. Some of the traits or characteristics that go along with the planets in this house might be what people first see or understand of you when they initially meet you. 
So you're going to have to pay close attention to your midheaven if you're seeking clarity on your career. So um, this this one's obviously ruled by Capricorn. I know you're very shocked. So shocked. Oh <laughs> and my I'm gosh. assuming that you also have something in your 10th house because I, I mean, I do. I don't. You don't? No. Well, All of everything that I have is in, it's like one, two, four, five, seven, nine. Like I got nothing. Well, this is what's interesting to me is my son is in my 10th house and it's Virgo, which means that I probably need to do something in my career that is both analytical and creative, which makes a lot of sense. So the sun in like this 10th house is basically like how, like basically these people I think want fame and they want to live in an honorable life and they sometimes get involved in scandals. Power gives you a high. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. makes a lot of sense. It says you're usually politicians. And it says I'm a natural leader. I have a desire to rise at the top. I, are gift, I'm gifted with an innate ability to manage or lead. And I have a natural sense of responsibility, which means I assume a certain position. I mean, it's just likely to build a very good reputation. Cool. I mean, I think some would agree and some would disagree with that. And you hate <laughs> taking orders and have to have yep. a need to be the one with the authority. This one is the I achieve outer world. I achieve career status, reputation, vocational purpose, taking power. So I achieve... God, such an important house for me personally. And I think an important house for a lot of people. This is a house actually really, I value personally. And I like looking at, you know, like I looked at most of my chart and then most of it is actually not like a lot of it is interpersonal when I look at like my diversity. And I just think that's fascinating because that's probably means like I'm somebody that really values my interpersonal relationships even over myself. And I don't know. I just think when you see people's charts like are skewed to the top, what he was telling me, the astrologer, is that that's someone that like really cares about status, like really cares about how other people view them and how they like how they present themselves. Whereas the people that have it more towards the bottom, it's more about like how they view themselves and how they are at home. So I, I just thought that was interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because you're very like, remember, I was always going to be I was always going to be your packer if you <laughs> became a pop star. So here I am <laughs> on um, which is technically Technically, it's the northern hemisphere, even though it is the lower part of the chart and you're more southern hemisphere. So I'm here to take care of you. <laughs> and then you're supposed to spend money on me. Yes. That comes full circle? I like that. That's cool. I like that, too. 11th house. This house is the house of friends and future. So this rules your teams, all your friends, your groups, society, technology, video and electronic media networking, social justice, rebellion, humanitarian causes. It also rules originality, eccentricity, sudden events, surprises, invention, astronomy, science fiction, all things futuristic. It's obviously ruled by Aquarius. This I was is, just going to say that has to be Aquarius. Yeah. This is like all about friendship. It really is. And all about teams, all about communities, networks, all of that stuff. Interestingly enough, the 11th house also rules future things. Like that's why it talks about electronics and technology. And that makes a lot of sense because it's Aquarius. So this house is I aspire group con contribution, friends, groups, goals, and aspirations. Like couldn't be more Aquarian, could not be more Aquarian. So on my chart, my 11th house. Oh, you have one. Yeah. Is in Mercury. It's a Libra. So my communication apparently <laughs> is in my aspirations, 
which I have no idea what that means, but that kind of makes me a little confused. Apparently, I like video games and technology. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Is no. it about aspiring other people? I don't, I don't. It inspect. means that you're especially effective in dealing with other people. So you know how to talk to them, how to explain, transmit their ideas. Um, and apparently you're generous in most situations. Okay. Uh, you can adapt their speech to pretty much anyone, which is probably why you always say chat or whatever it is. <laughs> it's a good and chat. Keen. It's yeah. good. It's so British. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, it, it's one of your special abilities is what it says to okay. communicate with people from all walks of life. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's really, I mean, that's really cool. I mean, I think like, look at your 11th house. I think that it's probably a house that I, I think this is also a house that probably doesn't get enough enough flack or what is it enough it recognition also said, it also says you'll <laughs> deliberately want to associate yourself with intelligent people engage <laughs> in social activities and groups that will help them with achieving their goals yeah that makes sense because that's all I like to do <laughs> and that you'll be very 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 strong-willed <laughs> correct yes correct <laughs> so if you, you want to hear the negatives <laughs> yeah go ahead no it's okay it's just you know it says a major flaw is if you ask some of their friends and family um, something that they should work on. So, like, if someone, the thing that bothers them is talking behind people's back and faking your own emotions. So, you're a bit cynical and very rational, so much so that they deeply understand this reality and they avoid large groups of people and don't open up to anyone until they have proven themselves, yeah. right? So because Mercury is in the 11th house, you care a lot about the appreciation and opinions of other people. They, they want it to be honest and straightforward, but not fake. So one of the problems that you have is, you know, you worry so much about what people think about you. Yeah. This I am not flowing tonight. My my that whole <laughs> that whole part is just such a mess. I am so Your sorry. Your 11th house is off. Oh god. <laughs> I mean, this house I haven't heard a ton about, but it feels like almost like a secret important house that people should probably focus on a little bit more. But while the the Capricorn house I think is more about like tangible career success, this one feels more about interpersonal success in a way. So I kind of think that's interesting. Okay. We're going to dive into our last interpersonal house. Spooky. Yeah. The 12th house. This, the Zodiac completes with the 12th and final house, which rules endings. So this covers the final stages of a project, tying up loose ends, completions, the afterlife, old age and surrender. It's also associated with separation from society, yeah, institutions, I hospitals, jails, hidden agendas, and secret enemies. And it rules the imagination, creativity, arts, film, dance, poetry, journals, and the subconscious mind. This is the house of spiritual liberation. It's honestly the best house. It's the last house. So it's the best house. It, it, it's the darkness before the dawn. So in traditional astrology, this house was viewed quite negatively. It was scary and spooky, but it isn't bad. It's a place where unseen things come to light. It rules the imagination and creativity, which means it rules the subconscious, the minds, the secrets and mysteries. This one is I dream spiritual life and it's solitude, institutions, transcendence and self-sabotage. We obviously know it's Pisces. <laughs> like Pisces, freaking Scorpio and Pisces, man. Like just the the spooky houses, right? Like so much mystery there. Like cancer, I feel like was as the water sign house was so different, it was much more like, but these two are like really weird. Well, I mean, think about it. They're on the other side. 
Yeah. I mean, I have a 12th house. <laughs> so it's my Scorpio <laughs> and Pluto. Oh my oh, God. Shit. That's going to be like, oh, I'm scared. I'm so scared. Let's see. Oh, it just are trans- private. It's, it means I'm transforming outdated expectation, expectations of privacy, secrets, and introspection. So yeah. You're I'm, just deeply private. Yeah. That makes sense. You may Not- appear shy, lighthearted, and superficial with a touch of dreaminess. However, you have a very <laughs> complex emotions and subconscious, but you repress it to gain control over yourself. Yeah. And the Scorpio probably makes it like really dark. <laughs> like my, my stuff is really dark. No, this is, this is, this is Pluto in the 12th oh, and Scorpio in the 12th. What are, do you have any 12th houses at the moment? No, I told you I'm all, lower. you're all, and I, well, I have both. Well, except def- for like my ninth. That's it. I have both. I'm actually half and half. I half am and half. Not. I'm, I'm like one, four, seven, eight, 10, 11, 12. And I know that I have like six in Chiron and I haven't looked at my black moon Lilith. Oh my God. We should figure out where our black moon Lilith lies because imagine if our black moon Lilith is in like the 12th house. <laughs> better in the Scorpio Dude, didn't you just look it up <laughs> no I just looked up my my Chiron oh but we're gonna so, have to do that after this yeah so yeah. the 12th house I think is is probably you know it's an important house but it feels a little more cerebral so looking at your natal chart and understanding the nuances of the 12 houses of the zodiac I think it can provide you with so much helpful information about yourself it's also really useful to look at your natal charts current transits as in what's happening in the sky right now because your solar chart and your nail chart are different things. If you're having difficulty in your life or great success and you're not quite sure why it's worth taking a peek at your natal chart because you're going to kind of see like, here's when I'm really going to find love maybe or here's when I'm going to really settle down or here's when I'm going to meet someone. When you look at your solar chart and how it changes, it's it's amazing. Like it's a cool thing to see it in real life and to see it change. But the houses, the houses could not be more important in really determining What's happening yeah, during that what, specific time of your life. And what weighs on you the most. Yeah. And and when I look, when we're getting our charts analyzed and to hear the difference, like the similarities, of course, so many similarities, but the differences between like Jack and I, it was really a lot about how he kept saying like why we're so good together is that we balance each other because literally I'm focused on a totally different part of my life than you. And I, you need me and I need you in a sense to balance each other out. So I think it's interesting if you look at like, even like with, my part, my husband, it's almost similar. He's kind of more like you. So I thought that was interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, he's a Pisces. So the opposite. (laughs) And then he and I both have Aquarian moons. Yeah. But I think it'd be cool to look at that when you're looking at compatibility, but also like, once again, like if you're really stuck, maybe in like what you want to do in your life, I think that the houses can be really helpful to kind of help you figure that out a little bit, like what you value, where you're, you're, I don't know where your personality lies and like where you're going to go kind of what your life. I think it might not saying you have to follow it to a T, but it could be really, you could really learn like, you know what? It looks like I really value health and fitness or I really value friendship. Well, it's funny though, because I, I feel like people will know that they value those things, but when they read it, it'll just be like, Oh my God. It emphasizes it even more. Yeah. Yes. So then it's almost like it's exactly what we use astrology for validation. Yeah. It validates the fact that you're experiencing this joy in your life. That's this specific event. And maybe you can use it for good. Absolutely. Yeah. So the houses just super interesting. We're learning about them every single day. I think we could spend hours talking about the houses and what they mean and going into each side and each planet, but that is the general one. So we're going to go over the, all of them really quickly. Okay. Just the overall. So remember Aries, I am first house, second house, Taurus. I have third house, Gemini. I think 
Fourth house, Cancer, I nurture. Fifth house, Leo, I serve. Sixth house is Virgo. <laughs> Virgo. I, I serve daily life. The other oh, one. no, I didn't write them down. <laughs> I was just freaking participating in this damn podcast. So it's Leo's, I serve personal creativity and Virgo's, I serve daily life. Then you have seventh house is Libra, I partner. Eighth house is Scorpio, I circulate. Then you have I explore, which is Sagittarius. Then you have I achieve, which is Capricorn. I aspire Aquarius and the 12th house is I dream Pisces. Ooh, it took a lot out of or me. Or the house of the subconscious. Yes. So and very interesting. Dead. In the walking. So very interesting. Those are all the houses. Yay. All right. And on that note. Please remember to. <laughs> well, I wanted to thank everyone for the beautiful reviews. Like I just saw that we have, we're getting a lot more and there's like five new reviews and I'm just super excited about it and so grateful. And your feedback is really appreciated. So thank you so much to all of our beautiful people. Do you want to take it away with what they should do? Yeah. Please remember to like, comment and subscribe, rate us and review us. Um, I know you can review us on Apple podcasts. I don't really know if you can review us on other platforms. I don't think Spotify has that set up yet. Please make sure to follow us at the vicious Virgos and then follow our sponsor at just girl project. Um, but otherwise we're, we'll be back next Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. Thanks so much guys. And remember to always stay, stay vicious. vicious. Bye. And we all just want to feel, want to be real. Yeah. We all.